Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. This is Aaron Percival, a.k.a. Corporal Hicks, and joining me are my fellow mutants, fellow, is it called the X-Gene? Is that what it's called in X-Men? For the mutants? Mutant gene. Mutant, well. <laughs> fellow mutant gene carriers is my regular partners. Adam Zeller, a.k.a. Rich Top. Eric Adams, also known as Xenomorphine. And returning as the Professor X of this episode, the, the subject matter expert for us on uh, X-Men, is Ziggs, making his second podcast appearance on, uh, on our show. Welcome, Ziggs. Thank you for having me again. Glad to be back. Uh, we're going to be relying on you for, for some of this, the nuanced knowledge of the X-Men, of this crossover. So we are talking Wolverine, no, sorry, Predator versus Wolverine. Predator gets first billing on this, uh, on this event. I personally don't know a lot about Wolverine, but I really fucking enjoyed this comic. I really, I had a lot of fun with it. And I think, Adam, you said to me this morning, didn't you, that it was a, a really good run. Yeah, I really liked it. Before we dive too far in as well, we'll do a brief little rundown of thoughts on it. Don't know how Ziggs, no, I don't know how Ziggs thinks. I, I think I read your opinions on the board. I have no idea how Eric thinks. I just assume Eric decides all comics, <laughs> but we'll find out shortly. Eric's like uh, salvation. True. Destroying angels as well, if I remember rightly. Let's have a let's read the brief synopsis for this series. I'll just read the first one for issue one. The thrill is the kill. Wolverine has lived one of the longest and most storied lives in comic history. Now witness the untold greatest battles of Logan's life against a predator. One Yaucha seeks the greatest prey in existence, finds it in Weapon X. From the blood-ridden snows of the Canadian wilderness to the sword-slinging streets of Madripoor, Wolverine and a predator break everything in their paths on their way to the ultimate victory or glorious death. I think that's a good fucking summary of this. Perfectly good summary of this. I'm going to pass it over to Ziggs to start us off here on quick, dirty summary of your thoughts on the series, and then, then we'll start digging into specifics. All right, so uh, obviously I, I very much liked it. I actually think this was probably one of the best crossovers since Predator vs. Batman, which is my favorite, and I think most people's favorites. Like the synopsis said, go, going over just basically a hundred some years of Predator versus Wolverine. I'll go over the artists, obviously written by Benjamin Percy. The present day, which was shown like a little bit of pieces in all four issues, was Ken Lashley. I mean, the first issue took place in about 1900 in the Alaskan wilderness. That was drawn by Greg Land or traced it. In issue two, uh, we had Team X, which probably took place about the 80s. And that was done by Andrea DeVito. Then we had the Weapon X that was drawn by Hayden Sherman. Then we had the Muramasa era, and that was drawn by Kay Zama. And then we had the Westchester era, which was done by Gavin Goodry. So hopefully I got all those names right. But overall, I felt like there was a good combination of lore from both the Predator. We saw stuff from Prey, Predator 1, Predator 2, even the Predator. And there's tons of Wolverine lore on top of that. So I thought just the use of the lores from both franchises was done really well. Okay, Eric, how about you? What did you think of this one? Because it has Greg Land in it, I don't know how much to actually praise the originality of the art. 
because we've talked about that before. To be fair, you can slag off his specific segment of art. And- right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what he contributed where now originally it was. How, I liked the artwork. I really liked how it was bringing in different things from all the... Even with Prey, with the skull mask at one point. The story itself didn't wow me, but I thought it was okay. It was a fun little comic. It had a kind of semi-cinematic tone, which always suits Alien and Predator the best. I also liked how they went for the kind of like the other extreme where they brought in the comic X-Men costumes and stuff as opposed to, you know, the, the movie type stuff. And I liked how they made it like a historical thing because that suits Wolverine and Predator. As soon as you get that, you go, yeah, okay, that works. That, I'm seeing how that's going to do wasn't what it could have been in my view, but it was, yeah, it was a fun little read. I didn't have any major things. There are some little potholes like Logan keeps calling them the Yowcher, and I think, how does he know to call them that? Don't and, worry, I have a note on that. I have a note for that fucker. I mean, you and me aren't fans of that word anyway, but, you know, little things like that. The ending was a bit weird to me, but... um. Yeah, didn't have any problem with it. It's a um, fun little time killer. I j- it just wasn't like, wow, I love this thing. I didn't have that effect. Eric being typically British there. Adam, go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was it was quite good. I was really curious about this being the first crossover that, that Marvel's done. You know, they had all those teases when they initially got the license from Dark Horse with the crossovers that were just variant covers for the hero comics, you know, and they had all all sorts. But I think it's very fitting that Wolverine was the first. I mean, we've had a Wolverine versus Predator fan film before. Like this has kind of been in the fan awareness for a bit, I guess. So with Kevin Peter Hall's nephew in the costume, if I remember rightly. Yeah. So for a first crossover under Marvel, I, I thought it was great. I think the story was quite interesting, how it spanned a long period of, of Logan's life. It touched on, like you were saying, Ziggs, a lot of aspects of both Predator and X-Men lore, I guess. There's some really cool uses of Predator technology. Like also you said stuff from Prey that's put to interesting new use as well. And yeah, it was just really entertaining. As far as Greg Land goes, I didn't despise it as much as I suspected. I mean, honestly, if I didn't know his history, I wouldn't have that much of a problem with it because I believe this is the first interior artwork he's done on the franchises. I I think all the controversy came from the covers and there were a few panels like the people have pointed out the Orca one, of course, as, as being a little silly. And when the Predator takes off his helmet, that one kind of I was like, I I know that Predator face from somewhere. Like, I'm thinking maybe it's the Hot Toys one or something. No, it's it's the one I love. Oh, the the new one, the Mezco one. Yes, that's it. Okay. I saw it. I was like, this looks weird to me. And and I think it was uh, Lucy on the board was like, how do you not recognize this, given how much you've been obsessed with the figure? I'm like, yeah, but I keep the mask on. I don't keep, I don't have it with the head with the mask off. So I didn't, I didn't recognize it that strongly, but it looked, it looked weird and familiar. Thankfully, it was only in the first issue. And that was another interesting aspect of this comic, right? For all these different time periods, you had different artists. And we've seen that before in the comics, but I think it's done in a really good way here where the the styles aren't that drastically different, but they are noticeably different. And you still get to see some of the same things in a completely different style, which is always interesting to see. But yeah, if if you give me a choice between Land and LaRocca, I think LaRocca's was a bit more blatantly egregious, personally. 
But overall, I just thought the comic was was really solid. Wasn't perfect. I, I agree there were some odd bits. I, I also thought the ending was a little odd. There was a bit at the end of the, the third issue I thought was a little odd. But overall, there, there's way more to like here than, than to dislike. So definitely recommend it. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a solid 8 out of 10. I especially liked the the anthology kind of nature of it in 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 some ways you know one one of the things that we've seen a rise of complaints of since prey really is the lack of predators surviving an encounter you know and that's because with all the films with all the comics we tend to get those um exceptional humans shall we say that best the predators so you don't get to see a recurring predator Personally, I think I think that would work better in um, like a story like Monarch, where it's told about OWLF tracking predators. But that's besides the point. But you kind of get it here. You know, it's a series of encounters between two long-living characters besting each other, and it gives you this predator that evolves or grows over the course of um, two hundred years. One hundred twenty. It started in nineteen hundred. Okay, so you know, over a hundred years. And I liked that. I liked having this chance to revisit the same Predator character. My knowledge of Wolverine is only really through the Fox films. Uh, I saw X-Men Evolutions in as a teen, you know, when I think that was about when X-Men 2 was coming out. So, yeah, I only really know Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine. So how well what Benjamin Percy does with Wolverine history, how well that meshes with Wolverine's lore and background, I don't know very well. I'm hoping Ziggs will tell us as we go along and talk about the specific time frames that the the Wolverine stories are set in. But based on what I knew, you know, that casual pop culture kind of knowledge of Wolverine, I was quite impressed with how well it seemed to gel with what I knew from pop culture. I love the artwork being different artists for each different time periods. Again, it contributes towards that anthology feel. Adam mentioned, you know, we'd seen something similar in the past. And I think the only thing that's really done it was Alien... Havoc. Havoc, thank you. Where it's sort of when this spirit inhabits a different body, the art style changes. So it's sort of using the art style to differ perspectives. Uh, whereas in this one, it's different time periods. I'm curious to know, again, I'll be leaning on you for this later zigs i'm curious to know how well those art styles jive with that time period if that's the thing land wasn't terrible but it was still i think the worst of the art across the entire runs i didn't like the westchester art style not saying it was bad i just didn't like the style i think lands was objectively worse objectively you know some of the predator just it didn't look right. The the orca panel, of course, looks quite obviously traced with the perspective stuff going off and how well the Predator fits into that panel. But overall, visually, damn strong series, especially with uh, Ken Lashley uh, doing the present day artwork. I thought that, I thought his stuff looked fantastic. He had Ken sort of opening it with this really strong style and bookending the series with this really strong style as well. So that was a very good editorial choice of artist for the series. So yeah, really enjoyed it. A few niggles, yowcha, as we've already established and I'm sure we'll talk about later because that one always pissed me off, but it always pisses me off more context. And did you notice the choice of Predator's victims? Like who's going after um, herbivores, whereas typically we have a Predator that takes on carnivorous things and that. 
what was it? Was it deer that we saw him going after in the Canadian saying? In this, this what you saw him going after, yeah, and also ram. Because when it went to the cougar and the orca, I thought, okay, they maybe it saw them indulging like it, they're hunting other animals. But when it's a ram or an elk, I was thinking, would a predator really do that? That could have been for food, food or a trophy, because it has the antlers. So I think it was just it went out. It was going for bigger trophies. So elk, elk horns, then ram horns, then cougar, then orca. Then it went to the, like the native population. So I, I don't know. I felt like that was the logical steps, kind of like prey. Yeah, it was very much, I think, a mirroring of the stepping up that we saw in Prey. But I'm sure we've also seen predators go after deer in um, the one where we fought a bear. Was it primal? I'm, I'm sure we've seen that sort of stuff take place, you know, that. I mean, he considers the antlers a weapon, so that it's armed. So. <laughs> well, they, they are, aren't they? You don't want to be run out by antlers. <laughs> It would have been neat if we did see it use it, but we, they never really come up again. You just see it use them as a trophy. But that would have been an interesting idea. Well, the whole point, isn't it, that, again, it's the Predator and Logan growing and gaining experience at the same time. So at that point, the Predator, I don't think he's got a nickname properly yet. Somebody did ask Percy on um, on Twitter, but I didn't. I never saw a reply to it. But yeah, the idea is they're growing together, so it's experience. So this is that Predator coming to Earth figuring out what's worthy of the trophy wall and, and time and stuff like that. Also, you know me, I always like to see the shuriken. And I just thought that was such a cool shot with the deer just looking and then the shuriken dices its antler off before it goes around again and kills it. I really did like all the different calls to all the different elements of the, the Predator franchise. I think Benjamin Percy and the artists did a fantastic job of really spreading the love across everything. Apart from the Predator, that's fine. As soon as I saw those, those laser trip mine things, but they're kind of flying, I thought, oh, Adam's going to love that. That's a Requiem callback. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of weird how it did turn them into flying drones that just like blasted giant lasers. But yeah, it's it's a cool design. I mean, we saw those in, in AVP 2010 as well. But I really like seeing the shield again for the second time since Prey. And one of them throws it like Captain America style, too. And I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of interesting. And Ziggs, any thoughts on the um, on all the callbacks to the various bits? Well, the comic starts with how every Wolverine comic starts with the quote, they say I'm the best there is. So that that was an instant call to all Wolverine comics. I actually thought those little line mines, weren't those used in Prey as well? Those triangular mines? Not that particular one, I don't think. Wasn't it some other kind of mine in um, in Prey? Yeah, they were like little balls or something. No, they were like mechanical traps. Things, that's yeah. right that's right that's right yeah little, little drone things also the predator at one in issue four starts using like missiles i thought that was a little off yeah the the wrist rocket that's one of my minor niggles i guess <laughs> but uh, and then the predator uses the avpr acid <laughs> yeah i really liked that it wasn't bad because it wasn't blue stuff it was green so it, it was implying it was no it was implying it was actual acid or something yeah i, I, I thought it was interesting using that as a killing device. Functionally, it was kind of the same. And I mean, to be fair, we did see Wolf kind of use it as a weapon, didn't he? Isn't there the bit in AVPR where he shoves it down an alien's throat in the middle of a fight? Yeah, but I liked it on here because it he killed a human and I, it, it showed you it not only killed the human, but it let him take the skull clean off. It was already cleaned, basically, which in itself, it should have eaten through the bone as well, but it didn't. It just went through flesh. It was it was a nice device to give Predator. 
And it functioned a little differently to the Blue Goo anyway, didn't it? Because the Blue Goo was just broke everything down. So obviously it has to be a little bit different to keep that trophy, keep the skull at the end of it. But yeah, it was a nice little similarity that was a great callback to EVPR. Yeah, I totally thought Adam would be jazzed over that one as well. <laughs> and then there was the uh, ship taken out of F-16 that gave me the Predator vibes. Okay, maybe there was the Predator there then, yes. That's a fair point. Some more Wolverine callbacks, though. Obviously, in the first if- issue, we had a callback to when he killed his dad. We've seen that in the origin comic as well as the origin film. Then we have a couple uh, of your favorite quotes from the movies. We have, come and get it, you ugly motherfucker. And dug in like an Alabama tick. <laughs> that's that's the one that really stuck out to me. But I was like, you know what? This felt relatively natural as a flow. You know, it's a very obviously a specific Predator reference. But in context of what was taking place, I was like, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give you that one, Benjamin. Yeah, it it also it it suited Wolverine's mannerisms. You could imagine he would say that. It totally suited his voice. So I was willing to forget, even though I knew it was just them. I was waiting for him to do a get to the chopper moment, but they didn't. They used that. That what? Yeah, I'm glad to. I'm so glad they didn't. So glad that I think is one of the worst overused quotes from predator and obviously team x team x was almost exactly like the synopsis of predator one just the original predators that just a special op team has gone to south america you know what i thought they were gonna do soon because I, as soon as Sabretooth, he had a like a minigun and i thought oh are they going to make it that in the wolverine verse this is what happened in the first predator film they're gonna replicate it's like it's like <laughs> that happened instead of the film that we know and i thought interesting but then they changed it. But I'm sure they they were aiming for that because of the minigun. I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know if originally they were going to do that, but it felt like, are we going there? Okay, it's just a different team. Yeah. Was can I ask because you've got familiarity with it? I think she was called Jackson. She had like a ninja mask thing. Is she a known character? No, from- she's she's a throwaway. Yeah, so the main Team X always consists of Wolverine, Maverick, and Sabretooth with the Professor Thornton kind of overseeing them. And then it's just generally random other mutants that, that are in. There's one called Cruel with a K. Yeah, he's a, he's a nobody. <laughs> just an NPC, yeah. So were, were they made up for this series then? Or are they existing characters? I've never seen them before. Okay. I'm sure if they were killed in this, they were probably just made for this series. Did Sabretooth get killed in this? No. Okay. No, no, they they said, oh, he's down, he's taken one of them with him. But, I mean, obviously, he wasn't killed, he just... There's a panel after they after they blow up the temple that shows Sabretooth, Maverick, and Wolverine all walking back to the chopper. Okay, I missed that. They, they said, oh, he's taken one of them with him, but it was clear he was not. Is that the panel when you see the... Um... The dictator sort of in the foreground. Yeah, the general. I think so, yeah. Yeah, the general's kind of hiding. There is some weirdness in the series where you think, why why did that, like in Wolverine's youth, and he has that first face-off with the Predator, he gets impaled by the spear, and then in the next panel, he's just staggering out of there, and you're thinking, the Predator should still have a hold of that spear, but they've just, they've parted on good terms almost. So there is some... Well, he... He makes a comment that they're both pretty injured and they have to both heal in their own way, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, but it's just he just stabbed him and he was holding it. And then the next panel is he's just staggering out. Well, because I think Wolverine stabbed him in the neck. Wolverine stabbed him in the neck. So he's like having to take his face mask off and then do the medicine. Yeah. Okay. Didn't notice that. 
I did like how much they did beat the crap out of each other across the entire run, especially that first encounter. You know, when the blades went through the neck, I was like, ouch, that's a good opening salvo. But for them both to keep going as well, you know, I think that's a, that was a nice thing across the entire run was how well Benjamin Percy treated both of them. I never, ever felt like one was being shown as far superior and far smarter than the other or, or tougher. That has always been the thing with the, with when you get fan reaction of, oh, who should the Predatorian go up against? And sometimes Wolverine's been mentioned, then you get people saying, oh, no, Wolverine would just heal in a second. What I liked about this was that Wolverine needed time for the healing factor to start kicking in. So maybe at the end. And because of that, yeah, that because of that, you did get a sense of tension that he's not invulnerable, which is what I was fearing would happen through this. Like he'd just get almost clearly, he should die, but he just heals instantaneously. That's not what happens here. So you do get the sense that there were stakes the Predator could potentially do away with Wolverine if he got a hold of him. And that really helped to raise the stakes in a way that I wasn't expecting this to. So that's a definite plus in this crossover for me. Yeah, I think the only way to actually kill Wolverine is to take his head off. That's the only. That's what stops his. Kind of happened. No, his face just got burned off. He didn't... with the act. No, because it because the eyes went and it was clear sockets. There was no brain in there, and somehow it the flesh we drew. And he went to like Terminator mode for a while in there. It was like an endoskeleton. I assume Ziggs it'd be a case of literally an adamantium sword or something taking his head off. That'd be yeah. the only way to do it, yeah. Although the, the, it was real grim with his face being melted away and it's just this adamantium-covered Terminator-esque skull uh, with the rest of his body. I was like, that is fucking grim and I love it. Straight metal. I really liked how at that point you have wolverine do the i think the narration like the little square box and it says well at that point it saw my skull covered in dimension and that's when i became the ultimate trophy and that really locked in logic wise for predator law because you would think yeah predator would go oh yeah give me that one i want that one it's the metal skull and that was a really nice touch they used some the traits of wolverine to really bolster the versus aspect of this story and that just that one panel it wasn't just for gore it gave you a reason for a predator to go yeah i want that one that's my skull it's also interesting how wolverine would kind of muse about the predator and and how the predator would also grow over time and saying it became just like initially it was just challenging prey but it became more personal more about revenge because one of the subsequent times the predator came back to hunt wolverine again he brought other predators with him and they were all kind of killed as well. And honestly, I kind of liked one of the moments in the in the comics where this one predator is kind of mortally wounded and uh, the other predator like comes beside him and puts his hand on him. And then the wounded predator takes his hand with his wrist blades under his chin, like, oh, just finish me off. Which that's always kind of a, I kind of prefer that handled in a particular way when it comes to predators. I feel like some media has done the whole like, oh, you have dishonored your clan, kill yourself, you know? But I felt like AVPR handled it in this this way, whereas if Predator falls in battle, like they're, they're shown respect, you know, they're not just like, oh, dishonorable or whatever. So I, I did really like that moment. Like in Requiem, when you when you saw Wolf give that kind of, it's a very tactile thing in Requiem. We had it sort of do the thing with a mask and that, yeah. One of my favorite panels was the panel before that where Maverick just is shooting that predator where he's like coming at and then you just see like the bullet holes and it's blown up his mask. 
probably favorite pa- panel of the series. Yeah, that was a cool one. There were some good panels in here for sure. Yeah, there were a lot of money shots in this, and which looked great. The the whole predator killing the other predator thing, I love seeing. Again, it's another it's another thing that sort of talks to the disappointment of there being non recurring predators because then you don't get to see the battle on their armor you know you don't get to see this progression this damage and that's where i like have a thing for the occasional predators that show up with damaged armor or damaged masks and stuff like that it was it was one of the things i liked about one of the predators in the preserve i don't think he lasted very long but you got to see him damaged before he eventually died at the end of the run Um, but predators killing other predators you know it seems to be something marvel likes to do because i think you adam had a problem with it in the preserve when one of them slightly dies and with this one, I was like, okay, he's been shot like right across the chest. It probably got his organs. Like this is probably fatal. Like he couldn't probably just be healed, but yeah. In the, in the preserve, I I need to reread it, but it, yeah, there was a moment where a predator was like failed to bring her down or whatever. And he just killed himself. Right. He was expected to kill himself. And I think that goes to the pushing too hard towards the space samurai mm-hmm. kind of thing that we don't like as much. Don't get me wrong, I didn't dislike it in this because it did feel it didn't feel like a dishonorable you must kill yourself kind of thing. It feels like a, you know, you are very fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let me end your mercy kill you kind of thing. But it's one of those ones where I have a little bit of a I wish they'd let them survive more because then we could have things like a hook from Thicker Than Blood. You know, I'd like to see more predators with injuries i'd like to see you know some not necessarily bionics but i want to see a predator who's replaced a slice off hand with an art a a sword or something grim like that but something that seems very suitable for predator culture you know the predator lifestyle you know maybe he can take it off and put on his um his typing hand for when he's not on not on preserve but no. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? All the all the predators are predator uh, receptionists. Is, this is them on their holidays. You know, when they're done killing everybody, they have to go back to a job on Predator World. But you know, I was being facetious there. But you know what I mean. So I do kind of wish they'd let some of them be injured and then come back. It might have been a little bit of a missed opportunity in this one to do something similar. You know, have have Logan slice off one of his arms or have Logan injure its eye. And, you know, maybe it rocks up with the Terminator eye or it just rocks up with a, a wolf-esque um, serious injury, you know. It, it just seems like something that could be exploited a little bit more creatively, visually, maybe more than narratively. But, you know, it's, it adds towards the character of the Predators in that particular, you know, story. Or it could, sorry, should I say. Speaking of also the um, the American setting, I did like it being the pyramid. Yeah. you know. Kind of AVP feel, predators in a, a pyramid again. Yeah, what was anyone else waiting for the something happens in the predators? The pyramid starts to shift around. <laughs> so I was, but then I was waiting on when it was the underwater scene, and Wolverine he mentions, "Oh, I'm pinned down by a stone as well. There's nothing I can do." And then he starts to saying, "But you're a hunter. You have to know where you are. You have to know what is down here. What breeds." And the next scene is you're seeing all this blood, and I thought. Oh, he can't do anything. The predator's closing in. He's going to attract a shark or a giant squid. I thought it was going to be a crocodile or something, yeah. Don't get too many sharks and crocodiles in forest rivers over here. (laughs) Because the thing is, you had that panel with the killer whale, and I thought that was foreshadowing. 
they were going to have there, it's going to be something. He was going to lure something in with his blood, and you're going to see this great titanic battle between a predator and some sort of you know carnivorous animal. And it's just it goes through the blood, and he's not there. He's using the blood, I think, to confuse the the heat vision. So that he's saying the predator's relying on technology too much. So he's going to cause the temperature of the water to rise by just bleeding out and then escape. I think that at least that's the vibe I got, but it could have been done slightly better. I agree. See, I thought the predator was going to save him there because he's like, oh, no, we've been fighting this long. I'm not going to let you die this way. So I'll, I'll save you and we'll fight proper once, once I do. <laughs> Bro fist pump. Although the, the fake out afterwards with the mud, I enjoyed. Yeah. What was the yeah. eyeball? He plucks his own eye out. When, uh... He plucks his own eye out because it would heal later. <laughs> oh, that's that was his own. Yeah, that was his eye. Okay. The panel even has an X with he's missing one eye. I missed that detail, but I I did like the whole because it it did feel like it was going to be it was going to be something like um, Predator where you know he goes for the. The, something obvious, and then you know he emerges out of the mud on the other side. But no, it was Logan then jumping over to the point where the mentioning of the mud was completely irrelevant. Yeah, he made like a, a mud sculpture. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, Ziggs is showing the panel. His entire plan would have collapsed if the predator had just looked up. <laughs> but I took my eye out for this. It's fine. Logan's good. He's resilient. Yeah, it's very obvious that he's missing an eye and all the close-ups after that. Just looking through it again. What happens in the X-Men when like Deadpool or Wolverine cuts a body part off? Does that body part sort of regrow into a clone version of them? It, it regrows. Yeah, it regrows. Well, how would that work with the, with the adamantium, though? Can't really cut that off. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But so in this one, there's another Logan walking around because of all the body parts he keeps on slicing off. But to be fair, it's, it then is only his eye, I guess. So does that other eye grow into another Wolverine then? Is it- That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, honestly, all my X-Men knowledge growing up was pretty much the cartoon show. Yeah, and- the 90s one, yeah. That's on Disney now. Yeah, new season's coming out actually this year. Really? Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're doing a retro one continuation yeah and uh the arcade game which i guess was also on some home consoles at the time but i never was too into the comics but i mean i've seen i think all but the last movie which i heard wasn't very good so i guess i kind of know the lore a bit like his time as a samurai that was in the movie the wolverine right that was kind of explored there and they brought that into this as well, which is interesting. Well, let's let's kind of stick narratively here because then after the you know Central American, South American stuff, it then took us to Weapon X. So, how well does that facility being in ruins and all the scientists being slaughtered? How does that fit in to the Wolverine law? Does that does that go in quite nicely? Pretty much, yeah. The lab gets destroyed. Logan always ventures back there to try to trigger his memories. Um, what I like that they kind of combine those, he has the battle simulation helmet and they use the predator helmet to kind of add new battle simulations to that helmet. So that's where they kind of blended the two together quite nicely. I was wondering what that was about because it wasn't made, you have this reveal of it's, he's made this big mask thing. And I thought, what are they going to do with it? But then you'll never to those of us who aren't aware of it, it didn't mean anything. So what you're saying, if you've got the background of Wolverine awareness, it's a big deal. That's interesting. Isn't that a pretty notable 
cover the, the yeah. Wolverine with the well, just yeah, the Weapon X because that's where they implant the adamantium skeleton into him is during that time. No, sorry, I mean the I mean the visual of of him with the helmet on isn't that a well known visual of of Wolverine? Yeah, and they use it on issue one cover, even though they don't go there in issue one. But the issue one cover, he's kind of yeah, he's holding it on his side. This is one of the variants, sorry. No, this is the original or just the regular. Oh, you mean uh, hanging off his belt? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Did anybody get any other variants? Adam, I'm assuming. I haven't gotten the physical copies yet. I just read this all digital on my iPad. Since I liked it as much as I did, I'm tempted to go to my local comic shop and and pick up some issues. The artwork is pretty solid on most of them, and the variants, there's some, some really good ones as well. I was just looking at one by Javier Fernandez, which... It looks really cool for issue two. So, yeah, I mean, as if you're just like collecting comics and stuff like that, I definitely think there's some solid cover art here. Speaking of art as well, I really liked the uh, Weapon X look for the storyline. It did feel very sort of 80s, 90s with this weird effect that they were putting on the, the white of the pages. So, you know, it looked aged. I thought that was a real cool, uh, just little aside. But there, now that was another strong visual style because it did. Was Weapon X an 80s thing, a 90s thing, storyline wise? Yeah, Weapon X would have followed right after Team X. So, probably in the original comics, Team X was in the 60s doing like political assassinations and stuff. But I would say in this comic, it's more the 80s because present day he's with the X Men. So, I'd assume that's 2020s. So, just move everything up 20 years. So, artistically, you know, that style did seem appropriate for, for the time setting of. You know, like when they go and do like the, the 60s Batman and you get the 60s kind of art effect in, in the DC stuff. I thought that was a nice replication of, of style here. I did I did really enjoy that that take on it. Who was who was that? That was Hayden Sherman. And I suppose the colorist would have had more of a influence there. Alex Gimarias. So good job on that one. I did sort of question the Predator taking out all these seemingly unarmed scientists, though. That did make me raise an eyebrow. Well, because they were behind the door, so I don't even know if he saw him. I thought he was just trying to get through the door to his prey, and he just was a tank. True. It was a tunnel vision. But still, I mean, that's that's one of those struggle, again, with the honor, with the game, rules of the game kind of moment when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, he killed a bunch of scientists in the movie The Predator, too. I For me, I, I go with the Pirates of the Caribbean line where it's like, those are more like guidelines, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we've often said on here, yeah. And it was still still a military base. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I must say, ever since finding out, because people who are just listening to this, from my background, I've got a Calvin and Hobbes-style cover variant behind me. Since I found that, I was mildly disappointed that it didn't include one of the issues that was done in (laughs) this art style. I think that would have been a bit too different from the rest. But look at it. It's fantastic. It did remind me of the, um, there was a Star Trek Doctor Who crossover, and when they went to different periods, they actually replicated the art style for the comics of those periods, which was so nice to see. So seeing that kind of thing taking root here was, that made me think of that. It's not as stylized as that was, but it's, it's an interesting short creative decision to do that. It was a little bit more subtle in... This particular, you know, uh, timeline, the Weapon X timeline, it was a little bit more subtle, but it was still noticeable. And, and yeah, that's one of the things I really liked. But we also saw the kind of a P2 style ship as he's taking Wolverine away. Mm-hmm. 
with the very P2 interior, although it mixed a little bit of the, the Predator cockpit in there as well. Yes. But it did sort of blend it in with the fog. You know, you had the fog on the floor of, of that cockpit and you had a little bit of like the sort of Aztec detailing on the wall. I thought that worked really well and I did get a huge kick out of seeing that because I genuinely think we don't see enough of that P2 style interior in... Didn't it also have a hint of a, the false shield around it as well, I thought, from um, the Predator. That might have just been an artistic choice of leaving atmosphere. Yeah, it looked like it had a, f- a false field thing around it. I thought that was another callback to... Potentially, I, I didn't really notice that. I was sort of like, on it being the Necker Cine Machines exterior, <laughs> though. With the cockpit of, of the Predator, the Ark ship. But I just, I don't like Necker's interpretation of the exterior. In my mind, that interior is the AVP2 game exterior. I can't picture that any other way. AVP2 so. had a good interpretation of that ship, for sure. But what about you guys? How, how do you feel about that um, representation in the comic? There's a Rancor skull on the trophy wall. I was, one, I was wondering if there was any um, call-outs in there. I didn't immediately recognize anything. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was or it was just something that looked like it. I don't know. I was hoping they'd have an alien skull. I'm like, come on, guys. You're in the Predator ship here from P2. It's like, we're all hoping the AVP comics come this year. At least I am. But yeah, it was kind of weird to have the mashup of like the exterior of the ship was very much AVP2 and the interior was too. But then the cockpit was straight from the Predator. And again, it's the same issue I had with AVP Thicker Than Blood. As much as I love that comic, I, I was a bit disappointed. They just ripped the ship design from the Predator. I'm like, give us some original ships like they did in the old comic days. Like, they could do it before. It's not impossible. So Yeah, I'm a fan of the tribal look. Didn't mind it because I thought they blended the styles quite well at the end of the day. It, it didn't feel like the Predator's sterile, sort of generic, sci-fi, silvery-looking bullshit with this really unique, you know, biomechanical living element of, of Predator 2. The artist who did we decide that one was Hayden Sherman. You know, I thought Hayden Sherman did a good job of making that feel like a coherent design, a coherent vision, even if we know that that, you know, that was referenced from the Predator. But I mean, that that's me. I, li- I liked the little bit of uh, Predator character with the Predator slicing Wolverine open. thought that was particularly sadistic and I enjoyed it. Well, not, not necessarily sadistic, but curious. Yeah, because he, he was unsure what was happening to him there. So yeah, that was that was an interesting bit with him just having the, the metallic skull there before it healed like for a lot of comics. So Wolverine's like inner dialogue throughout this whole comic was good, especially in this part too, where he's like, he found me at my my most dangerous when I just did not know what was going on. So yeah, I, I thought that that chapter was was really cool. The the one bit where he's at Xavier's school, I believe it's the next one. That had, I would say, the closest to a more cartoon-esque art style, but it doesn't quite go there. It still kind of maintains its foot in realism. It's all the costumes, like all the students' costumes and stuff. It looked very, very kind of 90s comic book style. Yeah, I think it was kind of intentionally going for that. And that art style is definitely how some of the X-Men comics looked. Yeah, I did like that bit. It was cool to see some of the other mutants uh, come into play here. It was a bit weird how Nightcrawler pulls like the 
the air hoses and it like disables the predator. I'm like, we've never seen like the predators do that themselves when they're ready to take off their masks. Like we've never seen it like actually affect them in a negative way. So I was just like, wait, what? But it was interesting how the predator was just kind of overwhelmed at the end, facing all their powers. Like you see him on the ground with like the surprise look on his face. Like, ah, after Rose like grabs or rogue rogue. That's right. Rogue grabs him. Yeah, that was an interesting chapter. Yeah, it comes back for more again. It doesn't get to the lessons. Well, maybe maybe it wouldn't have if Wolverine hadn't have lured it back. Yeah. I mean, he saw it as an inevitability, so he's like, all right, well, let's make this happen already. Well, that was one of the things he kept luring the Predator first with the throwing disc, which that first Predator found just a dead Predator in the ice. So I want to know that Predator story. How did that one get killed? That was, it was just like lots of arrows were in it and it was on, in the ice. I don't know if it was implied. No, because Wolverine seemed to not recognize it. You'd thought there would be a moment of recognition if he'd killed it. So I don't know if that was from the, the locals might have killed it years ago because it was in ice. I don't think that was implied to be Logan at all. That was just some, some other predator. Yeah, I think Prey style takedown with some natives. So just to clarify, Ziggs, I didn't like the Westchester style. I didn't think it was objectively bad, but as, from a personal take, I didn't like it. So, it was a little jarring. Again, and you know, it kind of works with it being a very anthology series in general, but you said stories of this era looked like this, so th- this was something with a basis in X-Men past. Yep. Okay. Even though I don't like it, I like that they've done that. The art effect of the Weapon X stuff, this Westchester stuff being built on a foundation of, of a style in the past as well, you know, it shows a level of attention to detail that I do think, you know, I, I immediately thought that as I was reading that. I was like, this has got to be something to do with, you know, what they've done in the past. So, you know, even not knowing it intimately, I still got that sense. And it just makes you feel like they're respecting, you know, it's all part of that treating both properties well, which, you know, go, goes again to the Predator 2 shipping interior, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, it's, it's this sensation of them respecting the source material throughout. So even if I didn't like the actual style, I felt that, and, and I did like that. That leads on to a question that just came to my mind. What do we all think about the creative balance? Because we've all debated, well, not Ziggs, but us three main ones, we've all debated comics in the past where we've thought, this is clearly way more alien or way more Predator or this was way more Judge Dredd than it was like the alien or Predator did a cameo. Do we all think that in this part, it felt like they they made an effort to keep it kind of equal parts Wolverine and Predator? Or did it feel like the Predator or Wolverine was more of a cameo in the other one's story? Because I felt it was more evenly balanced. I, I agree with that. Yeah, it felt it felt pretty balanced. Even at the end of the final issue, it was interesting how they had those old school like comic letters where you write to the editor and it would show some of those. And then it would show like the current comics going right on right now with both Predator, the upcoming one, and uh, and Wolverine. So yeah, I felt I felt it was pretty balanced. I mean, this is like still the Predator is in the world of X-Men. You know, this is not really the canonical world of the Predator, which is the case with a, a lot of crossovers. But it still it had a lot of cool aspects of, of Predator lore. So I never felt like the Predator was just making a cameo in an X-Men story. It was very balanced for me. Any thoughts on that one, Ziggs? 
I again, I feel like both both franchises were very well respected. I will say, I think towards the end, the way he defeated the Predator got less interesting. I think I liked the first two the best with them trapping him with the bear and then leading him into the Mayan temple with all the explosions. Then after that, he just kind of hacks his way out of the ship. Then let's see what was next. Then in Japan, all of a sudden, all the hand ninjas show up and he just kind of dips out. So I thought that one was it could have been handled a little better there. Yeah. At the end of issue three, I thought it was weird how it ends on the cliffhanger where his master's like, oh, you're my student. But today we fight together. And then at the start of the fourth issue, he's like, this is your enemy, not mine. I'm just going to sit down like, wait, what happened to like fighting together? That's exactly what I thought. Very A little contradictory there. Not a good teacher. You know, we kind of skipped over the um, the samurai bits and pieces. I actually didn't mind the predator just being like, you know what? Nah, I came here to fight you. I'm not. I'm not taking out all these guys for you. Feck off. And I like that it becomes a lot more focused. You know, at that point, the predator is there for Wolverine. He's not there just for kicks. You know, shits and giggles. It's like, look, I've just put this annual leave in. I'm real pissed off with you right now. I'm coming for you. I'm not I'm not dealing with that crap. You know, maybe it is a little I no, I don't feel like it's anticlimactic, you know, at all. It just feels like an expansion of the lore of these two guys and the story of these two guys. I do think the final fight, yes, I agree with Ziggs, you know, is a little bit eh, at the end of it all, but I I did like them just stepping out and it being a little bit of a stalemate it does add a little bit of variety in how they're dealing with each other but yeah i think that first one was definitely best when uh, logan leads him back to the cave and, and the predator the bear just comes out and it's like yoink i'll have you we get another bear fight in this gonna have to update your video we we get a good bear panel i don't think we get a good bear fight because you know a lot of it's implied off um, off panel but that's fine but it's cool how that comes back later and because uh, the Predator loses his mask. Yeah, and he, he constructs a new one from the skull of the bear, which is a really cool looking mask. And again, kind of reminds me of Prey where you have this bone skull that is converted mm-hmm. into a Predator mask. I mean, that in itself was interesting because you had the skull mask, but you had a normal Predator face on this one. So we got to see what the combination there looked like, which um, a lot of people maybe some podcasts had an issue with when it came out we wanted it to be a normal predator that we got that here so if anyone's curious about those aesthetics that was um this brought it although that also makes it strange when he pulls out the air hoses and a mask like this that it's completely open on the bottom yes i mean i thought that too (laughs) i did think it was great internal continuity you know with it being that bear's skull you know, the, the Predator had kept hold of this for 100 plus years and, and rocked out with it. Although, to be fair, that debut panel, you know, is, is very obviously Prey inspired, but it's fucking awesome. But then it's also very obviously the bear. It's not it's not whatever the Prey masks end up being, yeah, because it wasn't a bear, was it, in Prey? It wasn't actually a bear mask. It was something unique and original. What was it meant to be? Also, oh, some alien skull, was it? I believe so. And Frank, yeah, it was some otherworldly skull because this was supposed to be this predator's first time on Earth. It was a cool, obvious prey thing, but then it was also a cool internal predator versus Wolverine thing. And and that again, that style, who was that one? So that would have been Kai's armor. I was like, that looks fucking gorgeous. That splash page. It's a great the introduction. Yeah. This honestly, this this series was just full of gorgeous splashes. Gorgeous. Panels. You got that Ziggs to show. The video people. 
Also, Sarah on our chat made an interesting point saying strange parallel to Ridley Scott directed film, The Duelist, two people dueling on and off for 16 years. I have not seen that film yet. Most recent Scott film I saw was Napoleon. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah, the Duelist one I've never got around to either, but it would be very, I, I plan on watching it, especially with us doing genetic memory now as well. I have watched it. It's very, very, very lengthy and very, very, very period dramery. So if you get around to watching it, it's, yeah, it prepare for that kind of very long paced talky film. I'm going to straighten you up a bit, Ziggs. There you go. That looks fucking, that was a gorgeous panel. Looks yeah. so primal and beastly. It's because of the, the brow. It looks like it's coming for you. Works so well. Where is his proper or her proper mask has like goldfish scales? Well, that was a hunting grounds mask, wasn't it? Was it? Oh. Well, it was kind of based off that, but the whole scales thing on the forehead was added. I honestly didn't like that. I'm sure that's a hunting grounds pattern. Well, the the mask itself, I don't think those scales were. I'd have to look at it again. But there's definitely something with that kind of ridge pattern on hunting grounds. And the scratch came from the grizzly. Mm -hmm. The three scratches. So we do get to see a little bit of, you know, damage over time, to to my point earlier. Honestly, I don't think it was a Hunting Grounds mask. I'm just looking at a compilation of them all now, maybe loosely based on one, but I I don't see one that looks exactly like that, honestly. Well, we'll have to find out for the uh, the notes after this. I'm certain it was. As soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, that looks like a Hunting Grounds inspired thing. Which again, you know, if it is, that's a nice modern call to something recent. I, I digged it. And, and Eric, sorry, just to deviate slightly to, to your question earlier about did it feel like a wolverine story with the predator and evenly balanced or yeah i always say predator is a very versatile creature very versatile franchise and to some extent you know you can take it as like a genre thing you prop the predator in a genre but it works like predator 2 is you know a bit of a cop mystery kind of thing it doesn't work terribly well because of how it's structured and we already know what's you know what's happening but to that extent, I do think, you know, you can just drop the Predator in a random franchise or a, a random genre and it works. Yes, this is very much a Predator is dropped in in the X-Men universe, like Adam said, but I don't think it detracts from the Predator's inclusion in it. And again, that's because there's still a lot of callbacks. You know, yes, this might not be uh, Los Angeles of the 1990s, but again, to talk to reference, the, you know, the Lost Tribe ship, you know, the aesthetics there, we get the various toys from across the the franchise and you know with the the mask feeling prey like yes it is predator in x-men but it is predator and there's lots of extra elements of the predator across the entire series that make it feel balanced you know it, it never feels like it's tipping the scale either way even though it is obviously the pre- the x-men universe i actually liked the team up in westchester you know yes them is it kurt the nightcrawler uh, pulling the um yeah Pulling the hoses is a little bit. Yeah, he's no. Well, that isn't that very nightcrawlerish. He does. He pulls pranks and things like well, that. No, I'm, his... I'm thinking more the effectiveness of yes, him doing yes, that. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I really liked that bit because it showed a different approach to dealing with the predator. You know, it is leaning into Wolverine's internal monologue about family and team being a weakness but then we also for the first time in the really in the run we get to see teamwork taking down the predator so you know whether it's kitty pride sort of pulling him down from the the phase or kurt 
popping in and, and doing something, even though maybe that wouldn't have been terribly effective. It was cool to see that. And again, it offered a different way of defeating the Predator. Although the Predator just getting up and walking off <laughs> was a little bit... Yeah, it's a very X-Men thing to do because that was clearly to show Wolverine growing as a character. I don't need you guys. And then they helped out. Oh, maybe you're my family all along. That was a typical X-Men thing to do. I do agree it was weird that they just let it go. It's not that the Predator went, okay, I'm not fighting you guys, but they clearly knew it's got big blades and stuff. They're going to let it go. It's going to do more damage. But I mean, what happened with their enemies typically in the comics? Did they just let them go or did they try and hold them captive somewhere? Or I mean, Jigs would know this. What did the kids at the school typically do if one of the villains came in and like Magneto? Did they just let him go? If it's a mutant, they try to kind of help them out, basically try to influence them on a better path. So was this was this in character or would they have tried to have held it captive with their powers or? I mean, it just seemed like they were working as a team to take him down. You know, you had the you had the one, I think, Danny, who I think is Moon Knight who kind of does an illusion to look like Wolverine to the Predator. So that's the first distraction. Then then Nightcrawler pulls the gas and then Kitty kind of trips him and then Rogue sucks him with her her powers. Isn't Danny Mirage? I think Danny has multiple names. I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking that would be Mystique because of the shape-shifting thing. But I get, you know, I hadn't heard of Danny before. Think of Mystique. See, what that scene actually did for me... Although it's meant to put you in X-Men mode, it made me think, I really want to see a Deadpool Predator crossover because it would get kind of humor, but it would be it would be kind of mature rated humor, which might suit Predator more. I don't know. But it would it made me think, what would Deadpool do in this situation? I feel like a Deadpool crossover is another inevitability. Yeah. Especially with all the fourth wall breaking. Well, especially Ryan Reynolds recently did a like a photoshopped behind the scenes thing of the new Deadpool and it had a predator in it. No, wasn't wasn't it Danny Trachtenberg who did the photoshop? I know, but Ryan Reynolds released it on his um, Twitter thing, so um, they're aware of it. Did Ryan Reynolds do one and then Drachtenberg? I don't know who was responsible, but he, he put it out there, so I think they are aware there is Deadpool. Although you've got Wolverine in the Deadpool one anyway, so they, they're aware there is that potential if they do it right. I, do, I feel like that would be one of the... If they were to do a comic, I feel like you know they'd be calling out things like the merger and Marvel taking over it for the f- first time in however many decades it was. I think I think that one could be a fun one. Also, I know it probably wouldn't happen, but it, with Insomniac making the new Wolverine video game right now, I was like, ah, oh, that'd be cool if they had a tie-in like DLC thing where he fights the Predator. <laughs> I think that might be a bit niche. How many crossovers has Wolverine been in, Zooks? <laughs> Can they fit them all in there? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Fair. So, should we talk the last? Should we talk the end? Would Adamantium really survive a nuke? It has in the comics. Okay, fair enough. Oh, Arnold did? Yeah, he survived Hiroshima in the comics. Arnold Arnold ran away. Okay, if I remember the film right, isn't he in a bunker there? Or Dutch, no. No, not 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 no, 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 I'm I'm talking Wolverine. I think in the film, but but in the comics. Okay, so in in the comics he's literally in the cloud, so to speak. Okay, fair enough. 
Yeah, the original Civil War comic. Also, there's a character Nitro that basically becomes a nuke, and he survives that one too, just down to the adamantium skeleton. As long as I think there's some spinal fluid, he could come back. See, that's where I feel like maybe it was a little disappointing because, yes, it feels like that was the inevitable end of it. You know, the Predator setting off the nuke, Wolverine obviously surviving because, you know, he always survives. So I think I was a little bit disappointed by that just because of how predictable I think it was. Well, I think that would have made sense if it wasn't like that was the Predator's opening move, to stab him, and then he was going to set off on. He didn't try to take his skull or nothing. It was... Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say that's the opening move, though, when you've got a whole sequence in that present day. Kind of. It just felt like Predators usually have more of a fallback situation. What I thought they should have done with this comic, they should have made it like um, Marvel Zombies, where the Predator does actually kill some characters. And it's like it's its own continuity. Well, it does. You see it. You see him kill a bunch of folk. Yeah, but like canon characters that don't normally die. Something like that. So if you bring the, like a Predator or a Terminator in for a crossover, it has consequences. It doesn't affect other stories. It's just it's so self-enclosed thing. But I think that could have, like the Predator being there, it would have really raised the stakes even, even more because then it's killing these other characters who normally aren't killable. What happens next? How is Logan going to deal with that? And it could have killed someone close to him. Something like that. Whereas what we got is more by the numbers typical what happens with a cameo. I see your point, but also, I guess this one's directed at Ziggs, isn't how well this series meshes with the, pre- the, the Wolverine lore, the strength of this crossover? Yeah, I mean, but I also see what Xenomorphin saying, just to raise the stakes, killing off a known character. So I think it could kind of go either way. But I think, yeah, like, like you said, they kind of gave it to us with the, with the red shirt mutant characters, Jackson and Cruel. It is a little tricky with crossover comics because you're going to expect the hero to survive, right? And I know a lot of people gripe of the Predator always being the eventual loser of, of these mashups. So I do, I do wonder if they could have some other ending scenarios besides just the expected. But it, it was kind of, yeah, I was like, damn, he survives the nuke. I guess really his healing only kind of declines once he's, once he's older based on what we see in like the films. But yeah, that was, uh, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Wasn't really a fair fight all along, was it? <laughs> Unless the Predator had like adamantium wrist blades or something. That that could have been an interesting thing to see is the Predator actually go and get some adamantium weaponry or coat his own blades or something like that. But then again, it veers into, it veers into that element of it not really fitting with the law. So... Yeah, but but then the Predator is an alien species. What if something had happened where it was demonstrated the Predator's displaced and go through adamantium? Something like that that makes Wolverine go, wait a minute, nothing's meant to do that. Like, all of a sudden, I am more vulnerable. because, And then you can just hand wave it away by doing, you know, what's in the thing, the film of the thing, and you have Kurt Russell's character say, it's a fucking alien. You know, you can have the Predator do something like that, and it doesn't upset the law. You just say, well, it's, it's Predator metal. It can do that. That could have been very interesting. Because all of a sudden, a, a typical strength is no more... That's not a strength going up against the Predator. He's got other traits, but you 
could have done things with this that they didn't do. But I think as a whole, it's a nice little self-contained adventure. And you do have that. I felt the, the part where he does go back out into the wilderness also, I felt was um, kind of semi-callback to the original film where Arnold's on his own and you have Dutch and you have that thing where he, he does the opera ah, and he calls the Predator in kind of thing. It felt like it was semi-callbacking to that where it was you have to find your inner beast to go up against the beast kind of thing, which was always how the Predator films originally were. And it, it was nice to have Wolverine do that because he is the most feral director in the X-Men-verse. Or, well, famously, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm guessing there aren't any mutant brotherhood ones who are more animalist. No, um, Sabretooth. I Sabretooth, yeah. Sabretooth, yeah. But I mean, you, you 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 make a fair point. You know, he is a feral, a feral character, and you know, a lot of that in the monologuing is about not relying on technology, not relying on his, you know, his traps and his vices and stuff like that, and it being a, you know, it, it kind of goes against the predator theme of it not necessarily being about strength, but you know, skill and look and stuff as well. But it it, it works. I think it can it works because there is this other theme of don't rely on your your goods, rely on your skill. And on top of that, the, the adamantium skeleton makes Wolverine the, the ultimate trophy. So I think if, if the Predator was able to just cut through it, it wouldn't be as ultimate. Hey, to be fair, that knife survived a nuke. So that's some good shit they've got there. I did think that was stupid. I was like, really? Or oh, that was an adamantium blade, maybe, because he pulled that out as his sacrificial finisher. The Predator actually went and got some adamantium. Yeah, see? Do you remember in the Predator, they had some things that had survived, like alien acid, they had the spear and stuff. No, yeah, from yeah. The, tex- the Texas nuke. So there was some Predator stuff that literally survived an actual nuke explosion. So that's kind of lore. Uh, what, what are you thinking? You know, when they went to the, um, you know, where they kept the Predator captive in the base and you saw some of the um predator equipment from requiem oh that takes us new no yeah there was some stuff from requiem we, we no we, we, it was nothing from requiem was it it was the spears from it's from the first avp it was alexa Ward's ceremonial wasn't there also something from requiem i thought there was i don't believe there was from requiem i think it was from e1 and then from avp Okay, well, at the end of Requiem, there's stuff because yeah, well, and the general hands it over. So no, but he gets the, he gets the pistol from the helicopter though, because the characters have it at the end, so they've escaped. Yeah, well, don't they? Something else, a belt buckle, a belt buckle. But it could, yeah, it could have been anything though. That one. But no, uh, that's an interesting thought. But no, I, I, I think that's a goof. I think that's a goof. It was kind of funny at the end when Wolverine's like, "Oh, I'm going to miss him coming after me." <laughs> I liked that. I thought that was, I was like, yeah, okay. So this has been a constant thing of your life and it's kind of thrilling in its own way. And now you're going to feel a little bit emptier without that thrill. And again, it speaks to the feral. It speaks to the beast, you know, that primitive part of Wolverine. I really liked that. Well, I think that that is a lot in those kind of comics. I mean, often in like DC comics, you get like, the Joker can go way more insane if Batman isn't there because he gets bored. It's that kind of mentality. I think with Wolverine, it speaks a lot more to him because here you've got it that the Predator hasn't just shown up in the city or something. It's been with him through his life. So he has kind of defined his life a bit. Plus, you've got the memories. That's a pattern, too. They're re-emerging memories every so often because at one point, 
something happens when he's fighting it and he, he remembers because of the bear skull. And then he remembers, oh, yeah, the bear in the wilderness. So he, he's getting these little things triggered. It suits Logan. But at the other point, it'd be nice for once for a character not to do that. They go, will I miss him? No, I'm happier without it. Because that's how a normal person would think. Logan isn't a normal person. Didn't that knife remind you guys of Prey at all? I thought it was an AVP back around. Yeah, I think it's the same. Yeah, because it was the double-bladed thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, to cut the, the skull. Speaking just a little bit to Eric's thing there, though, it is a nice contrast against Dutch because Dutch is there with PTSD and what the fuck has happened to me, look on his face, compared to Logan's, um, oh, I'm going to miss that guy. Yeah, he says, like, I'm going to feel a little deader, a little deader now that someone's not hunting me. <laughs> yeah, Logan is the kind of the guy who does live off his animal instinct. See, he wants something to hunt or something hunting him because that's the only time he feels alive whereas dutch just wants to go on he's bored of the sun and everything oh my dude's died i want to go home for you yeah and that's all my notes for this series anybody else got anything they want to specifically bring up i think just if you like predator if you like wolverine if you read comics like this is this is definitely worth your time I think it's really well done for Marvel's first crossover and I'm looking forward to what they do next. Um, I, w- I would put this like right with the top tier Dark Horse crossovers like Batman versus Predator. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's maybe not as good as Batman versus Predator, at least the original, but just below. Better than the other, the, the two and three. And I liked three a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed them, but I think this was objectively better than than the other ones, but not perhaps not quite as good as the original. Who did who was the artwork on the original? It was somebody really fucking good, wasn't it? I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody really good. But yeah, it was definitely up there. And I think it makes up for um Aliens Aftermath. Because I really <laughs> you know that one was a bit of a letdown in the end. I think uh, Benjamin Percy makes up for Aftermath with this one. Really solid, really good run. That I would very much recommend to X-Men or um or Predator fans. So what do you guys think? What's the next Marvel crossover you want to see? I will say Deadpool's the obvious one for me. The problem is that so many superheroes, you put a Predator or an alien against them, you have to be very inventive because they're not really coming up to the level of the typical supervillains they got. Or you could have a, a villain meet a Predator or alien. That, like people say, oh, Peter Parker, but Peter Parker typically has to hold back. If Peter Parker properly unleashed, he could kill millions. You could, so, um, you could do more human heroes like Punisher or like Daredevil or something like that. In fact, you could do a lot of flashbacks. Yeah, flashbacks with Punisher because he's, you know, military experience. So yeah, it'd be a good one. Maybe Guardians versus Aliens? Yeah. We, we that got teased with one of the first covers, and since then I've been I've, my interest has been peaked for that crossover. That would be a good ADP one, I think. I, d- I don't know because I, th- I don't think it'll quite mesh tonally. I mean, yeah, setting wise, yeah, but yeah, I think you could put, make a dark Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy story. There's no reason why you can't take a character who is normally very light-hearted and give a story a darker tone to make them wise up a bit. But typically, yeah, I agree. Maybe something more along the vein of zombies, you know, where, yes, it is a separate universe, it is a separate... That's what I was saying, yeah. ...continuity. I know, but, like, I feel like half the charm with this was, yes, how well it meshed with Predator, but perhaps, you know, a a what-if, a a xenomorph, Marvel xenomorph kind of thing. 
would be a little bit more interesting than throwing them in a, another series. I, I don't know how well they're all going to mesh like this one did. You would, technically. If you have an alien do it, you could you could say, well, an alien has already chest bursted from not a main character, but you know, a character from a certain species, which we know has superpowers related to their genetics or something. Then yeah, you have to be real careful there because then you start you might go full canner and we don't go full canner. That's it. Or you could have if you want to, you can do a callback to, you know, a certain Predator film, because in that they are taking genetic traits to augment themselves. But again, it's such a hard thing to do and keep perspective, to keep what makes Alien Alien or... But no, that, that's, that could be how you do it. But otherwise, virtually every superhero or supervillain, they're going to need a reason why they can't just do away with the Alien or Predator. Yeah, it is going to be a balance, isn't it? Yeah, it forces the writer to think outside the box. That's a good thing. But it's always a gamble of will they? But I think someone like the Punisher or Deadpool is logical and you could do things. I think even Iron Man, because that was like the first Predator tease, I think, that they did. And you could have a Predator just construct a, a cybernetic suit to go up against Iron Man. So, Well, we've already got that, haven't we? But we, we don't, we don't want to... I think don't encourage the Predator killer. It's not Predator at that point. You don't want to overly reference the shit entries as well either so you know that's where it's kind of like uh, i don't know you can reference them as long as you use what you reference well in the new story yeah but it, it is a risk because if you're invoking memories of that shit entry i mean if you do that suit what does it become it doesn't become iron man versus predator it becomes iron man versus terminator and it's not what you want a predator story to be is which is about a hunt I mean, in some crossovers, we've seen the alien or the predator like take on the powers that are in that universe, like in Batman v. Alien. Batman, but that was one of the dodgier ones. Yeah, but I mean, you could do like, I don't know, like you could have a, a predator symbiote or something like that, maybe. There, there's interesting ways I think you could go about it. There are ways and means if you want to do a good story, but it's always a gamble of will it be a good story or will it just be you've taken this other franchise and you've just added craziness. Yeah. Which in cartoon world, obviously, craziness makes them work. But with them, Alien and Predator is grounded in a sense of reality. Then again, I have I thought Archie versus Predator was good. The comics are a place to go out there a bit more, true, a bit more true. experimental. I think, like even the Witchblade comic, like the female Predator was after like the Witchblade power, which I thought was interesting. You know, those comics are nuts, and we need to review those finally. They they are canon to their universe, aren't they? I'm not sure. Oh wait, no, that's Wildcat. Sorry, that's Wildcat. Actually, there's another one, Judge Dredd. AVP is canon to Judge. Dredd. I've been trying to get Aaron to review that one forever. So we'll see if we get around to that this year. That's a really good one. The second one, anyway. Don't have the slots, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So, Ziggs, take us home. Is this one you'd recommend? I would absolutely recommend it. Like Adam said, this is the first Marvel crossover that we've gotten, and I think they did a great job with it. Well, thank you so much for watching or listening. Uh, if you enjoyed our podcast, we always appreciate a rating on any platform you are listening or watching on. You can find us on our main hub of activity, avpgalaxy.net, which is our website where we have all sorts of good stuff like the latest updates on what's happening with the franchises, discussion boards where you can engage with other fans, and a lot of uh, resources for you to explore the history of the franchises. 
Thank you very much, as usual, to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support what we do here at EVP Galaxy, you can check us out there at patreon.com forward slash EVP Galaxy. And you can also find us on all the major social media channels, Facebook, X, Instagram, and threads we are currently on. Indeed. As of today, we've just posted our last podcast, which is our first podcast. Yeah, I noticed you just threw that up. So Alien, the director's cut. Um, So if you haven't heard it by the time this one goes up, go back and check that one out. And also, we've done a recent video on the fates of Shaw. I'm currently working on a video for The Woman in the Dark, so we're doing some lore. And then I've got my next thing planned, which is another deleted scene of Alien thing. I don't want to say and give people ideas to go and rip us off on, but that's going to be, um, that's one I'm looking forward to actually. And I meant to do it a couple of years ago when we got some extra snippets that we hadn't seen before. So I'm excited to do that. So I've got my next couple planned guys and girls. This has been Corporal Hicks. Bridgetop. You know Morphine. And Ziggs. Getting to the chopper? No, we should have. We should have had a. Um, we should have had a, a Wolverine themed thing here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Regenerating from the nuke blast. Until next time. <laughs>